All right, people. November 1st, 2022. Halloween's officially over. Sort of. Kind of. You see what happened in the supernatural. It's about to keep happening into the natural. But uh, that's a conversation for later. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, about a year and a half ago, we had John Ramirez join us. He is a world-renowned you know, ex-Satan worshiper, born into the Satanic Church, turned Jesus follower. Now he just exercises demons. When you hear him, you might be scratching your head like, how is this even real? How is this happening? You see, the reality is that the American Christian Church, most Christian churches, do not tell you that there is another team that's active, awake, that's aware. There are other people that are serving their master diligently, faithfully, and fervently. It's like you versus anti-you. There's Christ versus Antichrist. And so what we want to do with this was to equip you. What happens when you are woefully uninformed of the enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy? There are casualties. This is a spiritual war. What's happening in the spiritual is pouring out into the natural. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to understand any of this. Maybe listen, maybe forward, maybe ask questions, maybe pick up a Bible, maybe go to church, maybe go to your pastor and say, what is this? Is this weird? Is this crazy? Should I pay attention? Yes. Yes, yes. All of it. It's all weird. It's all crazy. But yes, you should pay attention to it. So without further ado, have a listen. But by all means, do not take it for granted. Every day to engage is a gift, but you have to know your enemy in order to engage. All right, that's it. That's all I got for the intro. Nothing fancy. Let's go. Welcome to the Fourth Watch. As the world is falling apart, the church should be coming together. But we have to wake up first. Biblical prophecy is unfolding and we keep looking for a new normal. The enemy is parading in broad daylight. We keep changing the channel. The media keeps saying look left when the real activity is happening to the right. 2020 caught everyone off guard, which leads to one very important viewpoint. Every demonic influence running rampant in America right now had to go through the church to get here. It's time we changed our focus and our footing. No more excuses, no more racial divide, no more ignorance, and no more country club church. The enemy feels like he's on a winning streak, but we're here to remind him and you of our biblical and American heritage. We serve the Lord of Angel Armies, and we thrive when our backs are against the wall. The goal of the Fourth Watch is clear, to equip you with a biblical foundation as it relates to spiritual warfare. You don't need to be a pastor or a teacher to recognize what's happening, and the Bible is filled with references to the last days. History isn't repeating, it's setting the stage. One of our generations has to be the last, and no one is coming to save us but God. So how do we see things as he intended? How do we see the enemy at work in our daily lives? How do we respond to demonic attacks against ourselves and our family? How do we identify the deceivers masquerading as politicians, celebrities, influencers, and even pastors? And more importantly, how do we bring revival when most Christians are focused on culture over kingdom? The fourth watch is from 3 to 6 a.m. daily the darkest hours before the dawn. It's when Abraham raised his dagger, when Jacob wrestled with God, when Peter stepped onto the water, and when Jesus arose the third day. Now, the fourth watch is our effort to show you how spiritual warfare isn't just real, it's raging. And whether you choose to see it or not, every single one of us has a role to play. Journey with us as we search the word, discuss current events, put our faith into action, and use ourselves as an example along the way. Welcome to Spiritual Warfare for the Masses. Welcome to the fourth watch. All right, we're going to start this one off with first speaker. Just give us a little uh, name, a little intro, a little background. Hi, my name is Jason, father of two, married for 14 years, originally from New York. I've been on the finance side, investment banking and investments for about 20 years. I've seen the good and the evil that money can produce in an individual. 
it's pretty interesting when somebody has the opportunity to make some cases I've seen a billion dollars in a year. What could happen to an individual to lose, you know, lack of regard and moral standard? So, you know, in short, I've seen the horns come out and I've seen people being affected in ways that I never thought were possible. Came to Harrisburg and attended a prayer session, a Bible group at Charlie's house in his backyard. And for the first time heard for a long time, actually, what the benefits of spiritual warfare, why it's necessary and brought me back to as a kid. So my introduction into spiritual warfare and who the devil was really started when I was seven years old. One of my relatives, my grandmother, uh, had fervent prayer to the devil. And at three o'clock in the morning, I heard a kind of a shaking prayer from the devil to basically take us away as kids, brother and sister, and and to affect lives in ways that, that were very negative. So that really shook me. And right away as a kid, recognized that, you know, I need to pray against this. So my spiritual warfare started when I was seven, you know, at three o'clock in the morning after hearing these prayers and really... Um, asking for Jesus to come help and help the family and and provide a uh, hedge of protection against anything that would come our way from this side of the spiritual uh, kind of sphere. So um, thankful to Jesus uh, for answering the prayers and getting in touch with the Holy Spirit when I was eight years old and understanding once anybody's gone through that, you realize that the magnificence of God and just His ability to touch you in ways that you never thought were possible. So one encounter with the Holy Spirit really put the devil in his place and realize that that God is much more powerful and the ways of his protection are just going to be infinitely larger than what the devil could stage an attack against you. So so with your finance background, give us a little insight. Where's the financial community at scale? Where's Wall Street as it relates to God? You know, I can't speak for the entire financial community as a whole, but I can say that it is extremely difficult to want to seek uh, the, you know, God, to look for God to answer your, your daily needs when you have the ability to basically buy whatever you need on a and pay off whatever you need to do on a daily basis so interesting okay so give us a little more insight right so life happens tragedy happens all this noise happens you know where are people of means situated as it relates to navigating these things the hardships of life turmoil etc i think a lot of people would like to believe they can uh, through their own means um obviously the devil it can get through all of the protections you put up for yourself and your family. Um, you know, there is no insulation that man can do without seeking God's help, um, calling on the name of Jesus to be there for them in those times. And, uh, you know, I, I think that is a misconception that you, you have the ability to, you know, to be able to defend yourself and man is weak. And, um, especially when wealth is dangled in front, the, you know, what is considered good, I think, is, you know, it becomes a very relative conversation and good sometimes is evil, but you don't know how to discern, you know, when you're surrounded by um, uh, people who are not, who just don't believe in, in the word. And it's very easy for a man to, to get off track um, thinking that they're doing good for the world, but in fact, they're actually hurting a lot of people. So um, to be, you know, it, it's complete, it's very ignorant and, and unwise, obviously, to believe that you can defend yourself in these situations. So happy to be here and, and share the stories. Awesome, man. Okay, by now, if you've been listening to the podcast, Graham Hedrick needs no introduction, but Graham gave his thoughts and insight into where we're at. A little brief, uh, you know, few seconds, and then we dive on to the rest of the cast. I've seen Satan on a scene. 
I could sense it on a scene. What I see sometimes you can't imagine in just a week's time. Uh, right now, the, the brutality that's occurring just because of this shutdown and just because of this dramatic move to uh, secularism. We've destroyed academics, we've destroyed our schools, our churches are infiltrated with uh, New Ageism, which is a big problem. And um, we've, we've given away our inalienable rights, which is the only constitution or state document in the world that ever listed inalienable rights given by God. And we've given all that away. And the church has not stood up for it. They, they have not stood at their door and said, get out. We'll, we'll worship, get out. So that's, that's why I'm here. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm Philip Thornton and uh, I'm that guy. Former, former cocaine addict. Um, did not know, could not have fought my way out of a wet paper bag until I called on the name of Jesus. And I don't say that flippantly because when I called on the name of Jesus, uh, God's power came upon me and completely delivered me from years of addiction, alcoholism, etc. And God spoke to me audibly in my salvation experience and said, Philip, I hate religion. If you follow me, I'll teach you the ways of my spirit and you should have touched the nations of the world. So I'm that guy that can identify with so many young people that got off on the wrong track, that started down the wrong road, that got involved with the wrong people, that started doing the wrong things because it was what was at hand. It was what attracted us. But I found out that the power of God is real, that God is real. And I, I, um, from that time until now, this is exactly what I have been doing. And to answer uh, Graham's question, we're that church that didn't shut down. We're that group that said, no, get out. We're not shutting down. We have a constitutional right. We will not close our doors. We will not stop meeting in public. We will not wear masks. We will not listen to the mandates of a government that cannot take away from us unalienable rights. But more important than that is the introduction of people to the ways of God. Um, because as the scriptures declare, and those of you uh, becoming more and more and more familiar with what's actually in the word of God, uh, Psalms 103 declares that Moses knew the ways of God and the children of Israel, his acts. And for all of us, the more we learn of God's ways, the more of his acts we will experience. And so many people live their lives in their quote-unquote Christian experience in what I call um, Pentecostal accidents. They have accidents with the power of God, but they can't figure out why or how it happened, and it's because they never learned the ways. But when you know his ways, then the acts of God begin to be more not just frequent but automatic because you learn to use your faith on purpose. And so anyway... Um, I'm Philip Thornton. I pastor a church here in Harrisburg called Legacy Faith Church. Um, not trying to, but that's who we are, what we do. And, and uh, like I said, I'm that guy. <laughs> Amen. No, we're okay with plugs. Here. You're, you're good. Uh, ask you a question, Thornton, real quick. 
If I can just call you Thornton. That's fine. We're just a bunch of dudes. Like I said, I've been called worse. Yeah. What do you think the climate is of, let's call it just the church, abstract. And again, not, not to disparage the church, not to, you know, somehow cast it in a bad light, but what's your take on it right now? So it's, it's obvious. Um, and you don't want me to preach because I'll tell you for, I can, I can tell you what I've seen and what I recognize. But one of the things that I recognize, and first of all, where is the church? Number one, the church has been asleep. And uh, the parable in Matthew chapter 13, when Jesus talks about the parable of the kingdom, this isn't the sower sows the word. This is the good man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy sowed wicked seed. And so the church has been asleep. We've, we've been, and I can share so many other things, but we've been in a place where um, we've allowed the enemy to come in, sow seed into our ground, and thus take over, create a, an atmosphere that um, is causing us to work harder than we should to get rid of the weeds, right? But if you follow that particular um, uh, parable, of course, the harvest is the end of the age, which I can go into several things there. But so if the church is asleep, the church has to wake up. And many prophets have prophesied and spoken that, that we're coming into what will be the third great awakening. David Wilkerson talked about the third great awakening uh, from Times Square Church in, in one of his final prophecies of, of that which is coming. But before there can be awakening in the earth, for the average man, there must be an awakening in the church. The church must come to himself, arise and come to a, a position. So if you want to ask me where the church is, the church has been asleep. But if we see what's been happening in the earth and even with the COVID and the shutdown, it's a wake up call. And God's waking his church. If God didn't do it, Right. While men slept, the enemy sowed bad seed. But now we have to wake up and recognize we have to deal with those issues. So that's that's number one. The other thing, and I shared it um, um, recently, uh, is that I am convinced as well, prophetically, see, God's God's word is not just any word. It's his word. And God's word is going to be. Uh, performed to its nth degree. Every every eye dotted, every T crossed. He promised that that would happen, and so so his word frames everything, every age, every time, every season. And so he has cer set certain things in motion, and and God controls time and the substance of faith. Everything else he's given to men. Okay, and so I I could go into a lot of things there, but the fact of the matter is 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 that while men slept. And the enemy sowed seed, one of the uh, bad seed. One of the things that's happening in the church is, is, or excuse me, I, I lost my train of thought. Go back to what um, I'm saying, that when COVID hit and the church, not just in America, but worldwide, closed its doors, shut down to fear, allowed fear to come in, allowed the enemy to take over. Um, I have uh, and and hold to. Um, according to the prophetic scriptures, that what we just witnessed in the earth was a God-given sign that the church age just ended. And so the church age is over, people. The age of just sloppy, groppy, greasy grace is over. It's time for the kingdom. It's time for God's kingdom to manifest and God's kingdom. Um, Matthew eleven twelve. those who, uh, 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 the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. 
right? And the violent will take it by force. And so the kingdom age is at hand and the kingdom age is the seventh day. So there's so much prophetically that's in the word. I I could talk for days and, 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 and show you, but, but, but so if you're asking me, what I'm saying is, is the church age is over. The kingdom age is at hand and God's trying to wake up people. And um, as Jesus said in Matt, I mean, in Revelations 12, I've made you a nation of kings and of priests, excuse me, Revelations 112, right? And so, so it's, it's time for the kingdom of God to manifest. But um, one final thing, and, and I'll switch over here, is, is to say that every individual needs to understand one primary truth, and that is, is God is not going to do it for you. He's going to do it through you. And so much of the church has been waiting for God to do something for them. That's not how God created man. God didn't create us to just sit back and watch him do it for us. He created us so that in our relationship with him, we could operate as his children and he could do or perform his will through us. Powerful. All right, Charlie, you're on deck. Hi, I'm Charlie. I'm a uh, recovering Catholic. You and me uh, both, brother. I'm a, f- a father of uh, four beautiful daughters. I have a beautiful wife of 29 years, almost 29 years. And it was probably about uh, five years ago that um, I was sitting in Mass, and I looked around, and I was like, what are we doing? Getting nothing out of it. And, you know, we, we made the, the decision to, to move on. And, um, you know, I... I I don't come from a position of brokenness in life um, or addiction or anything like that. I, I, I came from a different path. Um, I, I've always felt God pulling, but as a Catholic, I remember I was in uh, sophomore in college. And I really feel God pulling me, but I was dating my wife at the time, and I, I'm not going to be a priest, right? So that, that was, those were my options, right? So, so I, uh, I chose a path of... Uh, you know, I w- went to law school. I've been practicing for 20-some years, and uh, and I've had all the success uh, beyond anything I ever deserve. And you get to a point in your life where you're like, this is pretty empty. So I don't come from a, a place where, where I'm broken. I, I, I would say maybe it's more broken in fulfillment, broken in uh, not necessarily spirit, but, but that's when we kind of made a decision as a family that, that we were going to move on. Um, and then ran into Steve and, and Jason, and we had the session in, in my backyard, and, and Steve starts talking about uh, spiritual warfare, and uh, my eyes were open. Like, never heard any of that at all, and just completely unequipped. And um, it's been quite a ride ever since. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, but it was something what resonated with me was, um, I could, I could feel like, like even with COVID, like it just didn't make sense how it was being treated. And, um, and I, I, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't make sense, you, you start thinking about, okay, well, like what's really happening? What's the, what's the plan behind the plan? And, um, and, and so with the spiritual warfare and the, um, understanding that the authority that we have that's available to us, um, it, it resonated because then it was something that, that, that we could do. Okay, so as a recovering Catholic, to the best that you can describe, when do you feel that the Catholic Church 
lost its ability to connect because I guess from the outside looking in, I've been around charismatic Catholics. My father would play music for these Coliseum get-togethers, you know, with 20, 30, 50,000 people out in, you know, California. And, you know, they're all praying in tongues and they're absolutely plugged into the Holy Spirit. But there's a disconnect. When do you think that happened at scale? Well, I mean, uh, it was long before my lifetime, that's for sure. I think it's, it's been been centuries. I mean, it's, it's, it's traditions that are, that are put in place that might not be entirely biblical that are followed. And it, I mean, it is, I'm not saying that you can't feel God's presence in a Catholic mass. I think that's individual. I think that's your relationship with them. But it becomes so routine, so traditionalized, stand up, sit down. You know, I don't want to bash the Catholic Church, but I mean, they've, they've allowed tradition and routine to place equipping. If, if you're in mass and you speak in tongues, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And you wouldn't see it. I mean, I know in all the masses that I attended, there was never anything, um, anybody speaking in tongues. There were no opportunities for that. It would have been quenched. No question. So a follow-up question that would go to Graham before we get to John. There's a moment of your life where you actually looked back in faith and said, I want to go to the almost the purest form of an Orthodox church, right? Or that's maybe how you found the Orthodox church. And you were doing it because you wanted to get to a form of, I mean, if I call it religion, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but you wanted to get to a point that it wasn't so muddled down by man. Well, I know that man can't handle it. And uh, uh, today, it might have been last night, John said, and I've said it, a lot of times at our men's Bible study, God has a sense of humor. He has a sense of humor because I never thought that I would be where I am now spiritually. I thought it would be some more of a pers- uh, uh, cerebral thing and an understanding, which was pretty dumb because the finite mind can't figure out the infinite creation. And uh, although I, I love to have those uh, moments of understanding, uh, and I read Polycarp, I read all the, uh, the early writers in the church, I could see big differences uh, in Orthodox and Roman Catholic, uh, but it only got to the point when I understood that it was this personal thing, a personal relationship. Uh, and not a religion at all that creates salvation. And uh, it, it becomes, quote-unquote, a religion because in your effort to have communion with God, you, you take down all the petitions. I don't, I don't go to work without taking down the petitions and giving it to God. I don't do these things unless we give it to God. You shouldn't be doing a meal with that. Anything you do, you should be saying, does this glorify God? And that's where we missed, because uh, in the Catholic Church, they, they divvy out grace, uh, where God just gives it freely, and when you truly screw up, he's there to hug you. And he's not there to say, hey, you got to go to a priest, you got to say some Hail Mary, she's our Father, and all this, and divvy it out. Or, well, you haven't been to Mass, or you haven't done this, you haven't done that. 
And um, I think that's the point where there, there never was a stressing. And didn't you feel that? A, a personal relationship to God. I want you to talk to Christ. I didn't see it. Not in Mass. But now I, I got to tell you, I, Duquesne was the beginning of the Catholic charismatic movement. And I, I was a part of that. I was sat in Pittsburgh in an auditorium filled with 25,000 Catholics. And like you say, speaking in tongues, healings, and everything else happened there. But it hasn't be, it, it didn't really catch on in the church. Let's put it that way. Okay. Batter up, Mr. John. Well, you know, <laughs> my life was totally the opposite. I didn't go to church. I went to Demon Church. I had a PhD in witchcraft, and I ruled and reigned for the devil for 25 years. I was an evangelist for the de demonic side for 25 years. My, wow. my job was to build the kingdom of darkness, recruiting people from all different walks of life. Uh, my, my situation was to control the atmosphere. Don't let the Christians take over their atmosphere. If I can control the atmosphere, I can control the region. And if I can control the region, I can manipulate the system uh, of the world. I can, I can manipulate the church because basically the church been called. See, I've been, I did devil worshiping for 25 years. I wasn't, I wasn't a Satan and that's a wannabe. I, I had straight connection with the devil. I sit with the devil all night long, talk to the devil all night long. And uh, the church, you know, today, as, as a believer, after 21 years serving the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I came from hell to church. In, in October 1999, I left my body. Well, I didn't leave my body, but God took me out of my body and sent me to hell. And sent me to hell as a devil worshiper, came back as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. And bent my knee and gave my life to the Lord. And in 21 years, in 21 years, and I say there's a lot of, what a broken heart. In 21 years, the atmosphere is still pretty much the same. I haven't been moved because the church has, the church, see, this is the whole situation. The church has been put on the earth to control the spiritual atmosphere. And if the church can control, because the church is not controlling the spiritual atmosphere, the condition is not well. And if the condition is not where the position of the church is not well, and, and, and we're not well with God. So, so the church really, if you look at it, the, the big picture, the church been called to be the Nehemiah up on the wall, building the kingdom on one hand and fighting the enemy with the other. And we have left opposition from the wall and we're not building what we're supposed to be. We're building self. We're not building the kingdom. And that's what I see in the spirit realm as the ex devil worshiper. And I thank God for the remnant that is here today that we understand the strategies, we understand the, the devices, the plans of the enemy, that it's about atmospheres and regions. That the, Today, and I'm gonna just say the way it is, I know people are very conservative here, but you know, I'm a little different. Uh, see, when I used to astral project, right, when I used to astral project, my job was to take over the region because if I can take over the region, I can control the people. And today the devil has come to a plan on the earth that if he can take over the mega churches, then he can control the masses. I think the plan's been working. Very well. And there's nothing wrong with the mega church because Peter had one for his first preaching. 3,000 people. 3,000 people. There's nothing wrong with the mega church if, you, if you're doing it right for Jesus. So, so today, you know, uh, 
like like my brother said, God has a sense of humor. I'm sitting here with you today <laughs> in an amazing warehouse, and sometimes I pinch myself and think there's a surreal moment because, like I said, my job was to kill, steal, and destroy the works of the church, and the work and the work and my job was to keep you away from the cross of Jesus Christ, and I did it very well. John, it was uh, I don't know. It, it was sometime last summer when. Uh, I saw one of your videos, and then I we read your Armed and Dangerous book, and I, I, that was actually one of the first books that we looked at as part of our our study. Bought like twenty copies, so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but if you would have called me, I'd give it to you for free. <laughs> what, what I wanted to Charlie's just making it awkward right now. That's yeah. All. <laughs> what, what I wanted. To, what I that's my job. What I wanted to ask you though is, uh, could you just talk a little bit about territory, because. Our group, we've gone on uh, Fourth Watch prayer walks in D.C. numerous times. And the notion of astral projecting into neighborhoods and claiming territories, I've always been kind of curious about what exactly is happening when you go into communities. I don't want to know details of astral projecting, but just like, like just what are you doing when you, when you go into communities? How are you selecting communities? Is it is it cities or is it neighborhoods or is it homes or is it everything? Well, it's everything. Everything is, is basically starts with, uh, with whatever assignment the enemy wants to give you and whatever place he wants to send you and whatever contract you have with the demon to send you into that area, that community. Because if, like, say, I will come to Philly because of him, because of pastor, because pastor got a, a serious anointing, so I can't let his anointing increase. So I have to get into the battlefield with pastor because of the fact because if his if his stuff increases then I, I decrease, and in the in the whole situation it was uh, the church the, the every time God puts a church on 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 planet Earth, it is the assignment of the church is to control the atmosphere and keep the devil out of the game. Understand? Keep the devil out of the game. So every time I went to places, if I would astral project, it's about putting poverty spirit, putting spirit of life, putting homosexual spirits, putting spirit of uh, suicide, murder, depression, oppression, premature death in bad neighborhoods. That's why people kill themselves before time. Understand? So that was my job is to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's the plan of the enemy to come. But the real church, you know, like my brother's church, that's a real church. And man, I don't say it because it's here. I say it because it's the truth, right? That, that, that church has the spiritual arsenals to stop the devil's game and abort the plan of the enemy. So so when I come into an atmosphere, like I came in here to Philly, right? I already know they got new age and, and, and Wiccans in the area. I can, I, can, I can sense it in the spirit round. And I can sense the, 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 the whole, they, they go to the mountains and do their witchcraft. And they, and, and they talk to his church because they know that his church is on the radar. Understand? So, so, so I already know when I come into a region, I already know how the devil is operating in this region and where the, and also you can also destroy, dismantle, and curse to the root, the demonic altar, the central base on the spirit round to take it, dismantle it, to strip it. So there won't be no communication between the first and second having paralyzed the territory demons that are operating in the ground. So the military term is containment. There's a communication feed coming down to you. And this gets back to something that Graham and Monica stumbled on a couple weeks ago. They were, they were surprised that the Church of Satan had such an orchestrated social media presence. The idea is that if the containment is an instruction for the listeners, for people that aren't in this room that don't understand how this goes, where does the instruction come from? To you. My job as a BC before Christ? BC. 
from the devil. So the devils and principalities. Would you say it got to you the same way that the Holy Spirit communicates with us? Or is it more direct? Is it clear? So if you imagine, you know, we've got impulses, we've got, you know, sensations, we've got nudgings, we have sometimes audible instructions. Sometimes we have just a little inkling of something. Now that you roll with the Holy Spirit the way that you do, can you compare for us what that level of instruction was like from the devil? The mission of the enemy is the mission to stop God's plan in every, every region. Stop God's plan. Stop the church. Paralyze the church. Stagment the church. Take over, take over the territory of the church. That, that was my job to do, and I did it effectively. Not that I'm bragging about it because, you know, I, really it's disgusting to me that I lived that kind of life for 25 years. But in God's plan, now today, I feel the download in my spirit when I walk into a region and I already know what's operating, what kind of principality, what kind of territory demons are operating, what they're trying to accomplish, what they're trying to move, what they're trying to take away, and what, what they're trying to succeed on. I already know, understand, so I already know. I got, comp- you see, it's like components. I know how to strip the components in the spirit around and move around and shut this, move this here, move this out, paralyze this here, uproot this here, curse this here. Up to the root. I know how to move the components in the spare round so the things of the enemy will not work because the Holy Spirit is giving me the blueprint to shut it up and shut it down. See, we have authority. Pastor, you said something real powerful. Say what you said powerful, the authority that man has. You said something like that. Two uh, places at the same time. The oh, only, yeah. The yeah that, that was. So one, one of the things, if you, if you track the scriptures and the, and the Bible calls us both, heirs and joiners with Jesus Christ and heirs of the covenant of Abraham. And when God made covenant with Abraham, Genesis chapter 15, God cuts him, calls him to separate the pieces, divide them in the midst. All of this is powerful. But what God is actually doing at that particular time is teaching Abraham how to create a place for God to come. Because when the blackbirds came against the sacrifice, he wasn't the blackbirds or the enemy was not coming to to eat the sacrifice. The enemy was coming to steal the place of agreement. Stealing the place of agreement is whatever happens in the mind or the heart of a man that gets him out of agreement with the word. Because God hastens to perform his word. He works with and conforms his word with signs and wonders following. So when God calls Abraham and he says, Abraham, because you've done this, because I've made this covenant with you, I will make your descendants like the stars and as the sand. And so many times people just try to describe that as this innumerable number of people and thank God for that. But like the stars and as the sand, if you read it, is literally speaking that the descendants of Abraham by faith will be able to operate in two dimensions at the same time. We are the only form of creation while on earth in our human body have authority in the earth and at the same time are raised up and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. And so born again believers are the only form of creation that has the ability to operate in true biblical authority, spiritual power in two dimensions at the same time. Amen. So when it comes to territory, that was probably one of the most concise. When I heard you say that a month ago, I think, I was just like, yeah. I mean, the, the jealousy, the enemy kicks in, right? It's the reason why, you know, he's throwing a tantrum right now, trying to gain as much territory as he can. But when Charlie's talking about territory, John being a former high-ranking warlock and Graham and Monica stumbling on, you know, the Church of Satan having 200, a quarter million followers on Instagram alone. Yeah, it was, it was a quarter million. John, John was one man 
powerful in, in the rank in, in what he was doing. But you know, Anton LaVey had 8,000 members and back in the 60s and 4,000 members was ex-evangelical Christians in his church. Yep. So if you think about it, <laughs> if you think about just the numbers game, what one guy can do to one area, and then you stretch that across the world and what's happening, and then you guys kind of stumbled onto what I was doing from 3 to 6 o'clock in the morning. I keep getting woken up my entire life. I'm woken up at 3 a.m. over and over and over again. My entire life, I've had dreams of pretty much violence, but I'm not a violent person. I was a happy-go-lucky kid. There wasn't a nature of hostility within me, but I just knew everything that kind of moved the spiritual air around me that was evil, I got mad. So I start walking. I'm up anyways. I start walking. I start praying. I'm volunteering at the church, uh, serving in a, as a you know, missionary, serving as a church volunteer in security. So you know, I'm a protector by nature. And this was almost a natural progression where I'm interceding on behalf of the church, the pastors. I naturally, in my mind, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me in a way that I was taking ownership of my neighborhood. First was my home. First was myself, right? Revival had to start with me. Then it was my home, my son, my family. Then it was my neighborhood. And as I'm walking around, all of a sudden I'm getting spoken to saying, pray for this house. There's the Holy Spirit saying, like, there's something here. There's something occupying this. I, I haven't seen that black thing, uh, you know, Thornton, that you've seen on people. But I, I just, I'm looking at them, and sometimes you see right through people. I mean, it's, it's like a, a transparent veil. But you get this inkling and nudging, and you pray accordingly. And then you might have a random conversation with a different neighbor a month later and say, oh, yeah, that neighbor. Yeah, some crazy stuff's been happening. And you realize that we're never going to see the fulfillment of a lot of our prayer. But when we pray in faith, as we talked about last night at dinner, a prayer made in faith generations ago is etched in time, is etched in God's heart. And it's, it's on the board waiting to be fulfilled. So as long as we're making in faith, we're praying around, we're, we're taking territory. The idea is that we're offsetting what he was doing. So others that are now doing it in his stead, as he's going out, performing deliverance ministry that's absolutely taking territory uh, as we go out and pray I mean we're laying hands on government buildings that people just kind of take pictures of and people avoid right you know what, what's the the commerce department why would you need to lay hands on that labor department why would you need to lay hand on, hands on that the FBI building the Department of Justice why would you want to lay hands it's territory even Lincoln's monument I mean that was you're, you're talking about the words on those walls if, if people would stop and read the words from that address alone i mean it's it's talking about today could i just step back for a second and just mention that uh you know steve brought my attention to this fourth watch and walking at three in the morning and walking around neighborhoods i said my way of doing it let's go we're getting on a plane we're going to israel and we're going to walk around the old city because that's the only way i I have to it has to be like tangible to me go big for me it's like the closer i can get to where jesus you know, was 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 sacrificed. It was, and, it was ballsy. And it was it was it was big boom. Now that's the way that I was operating at that point in time, and so we walked around the old city walls seven times at three in the morning, and it all came to light to me. And I say light because it was very dark, and you had calls to prayer, uh, you know, by the, the 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 Arab community that was very sounded very demonic, and the darkness that was there, and and the fact that we were the only people walking around those walls at that point in time was really an eye-opener for me. Like, why isn't anybody else with us walking in, in, in these areas um, around our neighborhood? So That was the fourth day. The, yeah. I think the, the day that we did it seven times around, it's yeah. only pretty much a mile. I mean, yeah. you, you make 
we're not super Christians. We're just saying that we just wanted to try and see what it was like, just walk around and, and who else would be with us. And nobody was around. And then I went back home and I realized there was nobody walking around my neighborhoods. Uh, my neighborhood or in New York, I lived in New York City. Nobody was, I'd never seen anybody walk around. At three o'clock. The only people I've seen walk around at 3 o'clock in the morning were people that should have been sleeping a long time ago. And so they're leaving the bars there. And then it, I was reminded of John Ramirez's, you know, YouTube videos is that really nothing good happens after 12 o'clock. And at three o'clock in the morning is when it is the, the peak of a demonic activity. So, you know, I lived a life where, you know, I certainly wasn't praying at three o'clock in the morning and um, going to Israel, walk around the wall and then coming home, and realize that, that this is just more than just you don't have to do it in Israel, that that. That that is that's unnecessary. You can do it in your own neighborhood, and um, yeah. So so uh, you know, my plea to anybody who's listening on this call, on, on this podcast is, you can do it in your own neighborhood, on your own street. There's people in your, on your block that need prayer, and are being attacked at three in the morning. That's a great point because I mean, it it, it starts in your home, mm-hmm. right? Take back your home. Have to take back your neighborhood and go from there, neighborhood by neighborhood. If you think about it, it starts within you because. How many times have each of us made excuses? How many times have we woken up, just lying in bed like, "Mm, I'm just going to turn over. At a certain point, I was actually, truth be told, I'm like, dude, what do you want? Like, I'm looking up like, all right, I'm up again. Okay. Until I maybe had been out walking for the most part of, you know, a month, right? I'm on like day 26, 27, and I'm starting to hear an audible knock outside of my door. I've got two security camera systems around my property. Nothing was there. The moment I heard it, I was instantly awake. My faculties were on. I'm like, okay, hit my knees in prayer, get my game on, turn worship music on, and I was out the door. I did that because that's something that God had been working on me on for years. And that was not an overnight thing, but it's something where I just reached a level of frustration within myself I knew that I had to do something about it. There's a reason why this was happening my entire life. And at some point, I had to take ownership of it. And when I just redirected it back to God with sincerity, he responded back. And the reason why I feel like that's important, revival starts with us individually, get past the excuses, take ownership, step into our authority, really seize hold of what Christ did, but also the vulnerability. We talked about the six steps that we kind of put up on the website. The vulnerability of leaving things at Christ's feet and then asking for permission to go and war against the enemy on behalf of the things that have been done to and through you. And we've had some people in our group that have had some atrocious things done. And when you look to see how God has already worked in their life within a short amount of time of even speaking publicly, openly about the things that have happened, I'm amazed. And I've seen some things in my life, and I'm so grateful that God has used even just a small group of people with what we've done, but at a certain point, you have to come with contrition, and you have to come with with vulnerability and honesty, but also that that trust component of whatever you leave at Christ's feet, it's handled, it's reconciled. And I want to even touch on what Jason said. When we went out there, I, I kind of poked at you a little bit. I called you a grandiose Christian. I loved it because Jason's like, let's go, let's get on the plane. What are you doing? That was my second time walking around, second or third time walking around Jerusalem like that. And the first time, I didn't understand what I was going up against. It was clouded, and I knew there was something there. It was the spirit of the Antichrist. If you go to Israel, you can talk about God until you're blue in the face. Everyone will talk to you about God. The moment you mention Jesus, fangs come out. The real nature that's lying under under the surface. It took me a month of walking and praying to figure out what that was the first time around. Second time around, I was on different footing. And so much of this about taking territory is... 
listen, sometimes you're going to have to go out. It's like sparring, right? We're, we're wrestling, you know, not against flesh and blood. So if you're looking at a sparring partner, you're going to have to go out and take your licks. You're going to have to go out in battle. You're going to have to get pushed back on. You're going to have to do some things wrong. You're going to have to hopefully, you know, learn from other people along the way and then keep going forward. But then the best thing that we can do is, is step out as an example. You for your family, me, you know, my son, Jason, his family. And whether or not it's our calling, it's absolutely biblical. And to ignore something that's biblical and to pass it off like, this isn't for me, it's dangerous. That's part of lethargy. That's part of how the church has remained asleep because that fire within them of a manly posture of, we need to have a cause, we need to have an enemy, we need to have something that's sharpening us, that's keeping us on our, on our toes and our feet. We've lost it. And that's where culture has crept in and said, we just need to be nice to everyone. It's killed us. And women are looking around saying, where are the men? They're, instead, Wait a minute. You're bringing up men now? Oh, I'm sorry. Do <laughs> you mean there's, there's no choice anymore? You're either a man or a woman? Oh. And, and women are looking for Boaz. And <laughs> yeah, that add a certain asterisk to that. But where we're at with territory and the reason why this is something to, to even touch on, Pastor John, in your opinion, how much prayer is missing from the life of the average Christian right now when it comes to even the territory of themselves, their home? Do you feel that people even see that perspective, like that's something that they need to retake? Talk about me. Both of you, yeah. <laughs> Whoever. Well, so prayer, of course, is probably one of the most misunderstood subjects in the church because people think that prayer is only one or two particular postures in their lives, not realizing that the prayer of the saints, the prayer of true believers is a constant lifestyle of meditating, confessing, decreeing, declaring, speaking, hearing, because Jesus said, the only things I say are the things that I hear the Father say. And so as believers, one of the things that uh, I have taught and continue to speak and part of the wake up call is, is, you know, there are millions and millions and millions of people that say they believe in God. You said it in Jerusalem. People talk, you can talk about God and talk about God and talk about God. But when you bring up Jesus, when you bring up um, the, the power of God through God coming to the earth, now the game shifts. But there are millions and millions of people that believe in God, but very few people who know how to believe God. Believing God is a completely different arena. You're, you're no longer in a sparring match. Now you're in the game. You're no longer in a practice round. You're, you're in the fight, and it's a good fight of faith. But <clears throat> to several things that, that have been said for you and for, for each of us, there's no time or distance in the realm of the Spirit. As a believer, one of the things that you have to recognize, and so, so you're back to where has prayer gone, well, people don't understand, number one, God is a spirit and we are spirit. Psalms 89 says Elohim sits in the council of the Elohim and judges amongst the Elohim. God Almighty himself is spirit, but he sits in the council of Elohim, spiritual beings, and judges amongst the Elohim. Well, in our humanity, we are spirit, number one. We live in our bodies and we must possess our souls. So when John Ramirez, as a warlock or a witch, was going into regions, right, in the night seasons, because you said it, as you were asleep, God would wake you up. Why? Because your spirit was in tune with God, who is spirit. God communicates in spirit. 
So Elohim sitting in the council of the Elohim. So he could, many times God speaks in the night seasons because you've come to a place of rest. That's where those who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit will be awakened by dreams and visions and other things. It's also why while why the demonic realm attacks in the night seasons. That's why dreams and ter- night terrors and fear and other things come because this is when they're doing their work. Nothing good happens in the dark. And so one of the things that's, that you have to recognize in the territorial battle is the realm of the spirit. So if you're not, and, and in understanding the realm of the spirit, you understand God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But as a human, you are a spirit. Live in your body and you, you have the rightful position to possess your soul, right? You have to possess your soul. God doesn't possess your soul. You have to renew your mind. You have to feed yourself. God doesn't do that for you. It's the choice of every human what their soul will do. Well, if we don't feed or possess our souls, something else will try to. And the enemy is constantly trying to influence the thoughts because if I can influence your thoughts, I can influence your actions. If I can drive you by fear or condemnation or guilt or into a lifestyle of sin to where you feel as if you could never be used by God, condemned by the Spirit of God because of conviction, then then the enemy's won his battle because he's, he's pushed you to the wayside. He's put you on second and third string. And so as a believer, you've got to rise up and and begin to number one know you have authority and you have to take back so back to what you guys are speaking to take territory the first thing you've got to do is take yourself i am a spirit living a body and i possess my soul when i can fill my mind and my heart and my spirit with the word of god and begin to operate in god's authority then I can rightfully operate and speak into my family, into my wife, into my children. I can now raise my children up. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11 speaks of the days of heaven on earth. But that says that that will only happen because we are talking about God's ways. When we rise up, when we sit down, when we go to bed, we write it on the doorpost of our hearts. We put it on our wrist. We put it in our foreheads. And so if we're going to experience the victory and possessing the land and taking back all that the enemy's done, it has to start in our homes. Start with, and so back to, so the question was prayer. Well, sure, because people don't understand what prayer is. They, they put they put prayer in one particular posture as if they have to come and, all right, well, other than saying grace at the table, um, you know, it's prayer. And I often joke with people saying this, you know, they'll say, well, pastor, we should pray about that. And I say, has it come to that? In other words, you've already tried everything else because that's the attitude of most Americans. Well, we've already tried everything else. Maybe we should pray now. Instead of, no, we should get the council. Elohim sits in the council of Elohim, right? And judges amongst the Elohim. So if we're going to sit in judgment and turn battles back at the gate, Isaiah 28 and 6, then we have to get counsel from the Elohim, and God never loses a battle. I think it's where people keep seeking human solutions for what they think are human problems. Correct. And it's void of a spiritual solution for this spiritual existence. You know, we're not just, you know, humans having a spiritual awareness. We're spirits having a human experience. If we change that perspective and that lens, everything that you said steps in, but along with the prayer life, let's say that you've stepped out of, you know, just praying for yourself and your immediate needs as a lot of people do. What, what words do you even use? If you're not reading the Bible as most 
quote-unquote Christians are. They struggle to read it outside of Sunday. They might pick it up for a devotional. They might get an email or text, right? The convenience has come in where they can just get a little soundbite or a snippet of something. But the unhurried, unforced time with the Word, with God's presence, that has to be in you in order for your prayer to actually start to flow with the words and the Holy Spirit's coming in. And I know the Holy Spirit can take over and give you those words and give you an inkling of it. But so much of my prayer has been a result of I'm reading something, I meditate on it, and then the Holy Spirit gives it back to me a month later in a way that my, my, my conscious mind could not conjure up that verse, that message, but the Holy Spirit knew it was implanted in me. He put it to use. And so the Bible, the prayer, the territory... If Charlie went on by himself, if Charlie never would have had that Bible study, eight months later, we're here. Well, eight months later, no warehouse, <laughs> no food program was, was established at that point. It was just a bunch of guys at, at his, his house and uh, seeking God. So all these things start to fall in, no podcast, it just goes... On. And what we were doing was exactly the opposite of what the world is doing. We were looking for what fancy word for insider, endogenous solutions. Most of America was looking for exogenous solutions for everything. We're the biggest buyers of psychotropic drugs. We're the biggest buyers of fentanyl and, and benzodiazepines. And we always have a pill for everything. And on top of that, we have the biggest addiction problem that kills us more than most of our wars, except the Civil War, right? And here we are. What are we going to do? The solution of man is to get the addict and put him on benzodiazepines or well, actually uh, brufenorphine, methadone, or suboxone. They put them on these, one of these three lesser drugs so they don't die as quick. But they never talk about their spirit and they never talk about why they're addicts in the first place. Then I get them on the autopsy table. They got all those drugs in them, including cocaine or methamphetamine or whatever. It's always from the outside looking for something. God, God was the original dealer, man, because... He gave us dopamine. He created that whole system so that a woman, as soon as she gets pregnant, has more sensitivity for compassion and patience and pain because God gave us the dopamine receptors. And as soon as she gets pregnant, as soon as the sperm hits the egg, they start to change those dopamine receptors. That's all inside. That's all given by God. But we're messing with it from the outside. And that's what we have to look at. The inside, the outside. Ours is an inside solution. It's the only solution. And so what you're bringing up is what I was trying to drive at with Charlie was, you know, the outside <clears throat> world, you want to call it depravity. You want to say, you know, whatever outside forces have accelerated depravity to obtain pleasure or potentiate peace, right? Make the demons go away. Charlie's solution for what he saw around him was community said that we need to get together. We need to actually discuss things that might seem fringe, that might be out there. But Charlie's sitting there saying, maybe I'm not the only one that's thinking this. Maybe I'm not the only one that's seeing the world around and there's got to be, there's more. 
And so even the community of Christians, you know, not going to church out of fear. The amount of spiritual overload that they got where the media did absolutely sway people. I mean, there are churches that reopened where they just lost at least a third, if not half, of the attendance just because of, you know, people not knowing what, what side of the truth, you know, quote-unquote, that they wanted to fall on. But that community is what brought understanding, peace, connection. It brought a, a number of things. It ushered in a spiritual component, a different walk of life. Where's William? There you are. Even talking to William and Kyle, one of his business partners, you know, Kyle saying that William's whole demeanor has changed over the last six months. You wouldn't recognize him. I mean, you were still an amazing guy, I'm just saying. The reports that we're getting within our small group of just having community, even though we're, you know, we have a focus or an emphasis on kind of seeing through the lens of spiritual warfare as the Bible has intended it, it's done so much for us to where you know, we, didn't, we weren't looking for outside sources of content. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of what, what resonates. I mean, I think there's just based on observations with uh, discussions with, with people, whether they're Christian or, or not Christian, is that, you know, there was a lot of, um, a lot of things that didn't make sense in the world. And so when you're, when you're wrestling with what is going on, what can I do, I think there's a lot to be said for the things that we're talking about, because whether they're witches, warlocks, or Satanists, right? There's a lot of chaos that's being created. And by and large, today's church is not equipped to deal with it. I mean, John, you said today, well, I think, that you would spend 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. praying. Yeah, praying. But, but my, my thing today, as, you know, I call, I, today, I think that, you know, this is what I say for myself. I said, Lord, I want to be a spiritual sniper for Jesus, right? I want to be a spiritual sniper. I don't want to hit the stuff that I can see. You see, I don't want to hit the stuff that I can see because that's just a diversion of the enemy just sitting on my blind side. You see, so the enemy understands one thing. He'll put something in front of the church. The church can see that. We'll talk about it. we pray about it. We, we do all kinds of things about it. But the, the devil today, he's working on your blind spot because he accomplished more on your blind spot because your sermon is not strong enough. Your faith is not strong enough to, to see the devil on your blind spot. I like those cars. that got the little red lights. You know what I mean? They're telling me the little red lights on the mirrors. The little car that had the little red lights. So you know that you might be driving, but you don't have to turn your neck anymore because you see something is on the blind spot. And the car is telling you there's something on your blind spot. Don't get on that lane. Don't do this. Don't do that. And the reason why is the, the little red thing in the mirror on the car, to me, is like a metaphor of what the Holy Spirit is telling me. What's on my blind spot? On my spiritual walk? On my, on my purpose? On my destiny? My region? My community? My neighborhood? I think if a Christian were to rise up today and knew that the prayer language that we have, the power of the Holy Spirit, what they're doing with the faith that we have, that we carry, the arsenals of heaven, we can release, we can release the we, judgments of God upon every devil in our neighborhood. We can shut it up, close it down, and understand not only the things that you can see, but the things on your blind spot. You know what I mean? Those are the things that are operating, that the church is not seeing, and we're losing the ground. So now we have to hope that we fourth quarter, we have to throw a Hail Mary, hoping someone catch it. John, when, when you, uh, I've heard you say a few times that there were maybe two or three times when you went into a community and you were basically chased out by people, by Christians who knew how to gauge in spiritual warfare. Could you talk about that a little bit? Like, like what are you seeing? What are you sensing? Um, you know, how exactly, how exactly does that work? Well, basically, when I should, I should project, my job was to control, dominate, and straighten the region in the demonic side, right? 
So if I can, if I want to actually project, I will go into regions, neighborhood communities, or you know, international. I will go and go to those areas and curse, curse it, straighten it, depending on what demons operating on that ground. But there was a, there was a, a group there was a group of Christians that knew how to hold hands. And not holding hands mean make you religious, so make you you know, holding hands is the power of unity, the power of agreement. If I can touch and agree with, we can walk together. We can command a blessing. We can we we can we can take over. We can take over a region together. Pastor, now we can travel the world and take over the region because we understand the things of the spirit. We understand the power of prayer. We understand the power of faith. So these people understood that. So when I come into the region with my assignment, I couldn't touch that region. I couldn't touch that neighborhood because they knew the prayer language that they had would would deteriorate what I was bringing into that region, it would just deteriorate, it would just fall apart. Because they knew that they knew not only the holding of the hands, it's just the holding in, community, in, in the community of knowing that the power is in commanding the blessing, the commanding the power of, 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 of the unity and the power of, of, of commitment coming together because we need each other. See, the, the devil worshipers know that. So they will do that, and I will have to fly back out, and, and, and I, will, I will fly back out, and they will just stand and chase me, I mean, like for blocks, you know, just ch- in, prayer, in prayer. They will chase me in prayer, and I can feel that the prayer that they had was something that would decrease everything, everything that I would come with into that region. Every demonic arsenal would just decrease and shrimp and die. And I was there, and then I had to get back into my body because there was a time limit that I was able to get out of my body and come back into my body. And I would come back into my body so disappointed, so so upset because those hallelujah people, they stopped the mission. <laughs> you know, I could say that because I was in hallelujah back then. Now I'm a hallelujah. I'm a hallelujah for Jesus. Amen. So I w- <laughs> they will stop it. They will paralyze it. They will bring it down to nothing because they knew how to take care of business in the spare round. So there were spiritual snipers. So I don't want to get in too much into Musha, but that's kind of my training. So on that, like, is it that they were praying at the time, or is it they are, were praying regularly, or is it that they were? Yeah, I didn't know the business, because I mean, I wasn't a Christian, so I don't know what, what was the operation. But I know the operation was that, you know, that when I got there, they, was ready, they were waiting for me. So, they, so, <laughs> so when I got there, there was a couple of steps ahead of me. So they, they knew, they knew that the, in the spare round, at a certain time, activity would happen. Activity would take place. They knew that at a certain time, at, at a certain time, at a certain moment in the spare round, they were already there. They would say, just come and we'll show you. We invite you to come here. We're going to show you what we got. Because when I come, I, they, they will, they will, I will come and I come into I mean, the region was clear. I could see it. I can see the neighborhood. I could see it. And when I came, they were right there, man. They were like around the corner. They would just come out. I kept waiting for me. And then it was over. I mean, they would just cancel everything that I had planned that night. And, 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 and the key is, you know, be ready in every season. Give an account for every season. For everything that God has given you under the sun. Be ready. Everywhere I go, I'm ready. Everywhere I, everything I do in the spirit, I'm ready. I mean, even to the point, I get, I get my brother was talking about demonic dream. I get demonic dreams. My demonic dreams are so good that when the devil can't get me a dream, he come out of my dream and chase me in my apartment. So that's a good dream. And man, I mean, so when the devil can't get you in the dream, he comes out and try to get you in my bedroom. You know, I had demons show up in human form. You know, and, and, and approached me in the streets of Manhattan. Human form, demons, approached me twice in 25 years. I, I mean, 21 years as a believer. 
Is, so, it, is there a posture that you had when that happened where your mindset was, I'm going to count this all joy? You were, there was, was there an excitement that, that that occurred, that he still sees you as such a threat and what you're doing, he has to affront you? In that way, of course. I mean, to me, it's an honor because you know. I mean, God gave me a second chance. God gave me a second chance. I mean, I should have been in hell. I should. I should. I should have. When I when I left my body, God. God had to. He had. He was. He was. He could have left me there, and he gave me a second chance. So when I get the demon show up, you know, I'm, I'm walking down Lexington Avenue, and I feel this. I feel this demonic breeze come behind me, and I look. Be, I look from behind. I got two tall features standing next to me in human flesh, with a book in the hand, ancient book in the hand, and telling me your name is John Ramirez. I mean, if the devil knows your name, man, that that's pretty cool. You know, it's funny how, and I'll say it's funny. I know, <laughs> I know you want to jump in. I think it's awesome. But the fact that so many people, when they're afflicted, they pray to make it go away. They, no, they, Paul never, Paul never, Paul never, Paul said, I, you know, my prayer is bring me through, Lord, because there's something on the other side that I need to mature. There's something on the side that I need, I need, I need to get to the other side because God is showing me something like my eyesight, right? My eyesight, 2070 today, right? I mean, I had 2030. I got 2070 today. God is showing me something. God is bringing me to a place of more deeper and trust and maturity with him that no, because God is preparing us right here, right here. This group right here, God is preparing you for the end times. Someone got to bring the harvest. Someone got to bring the fight to the devil. Someone has to set the captive free. I mean, we think you get saved and everything gonna fall off. No, but God's preparing like the church pastor here. You know, his church, you know, that when people come, gangbangers, prostitutes, crazy, daisy, all these people coming in, you get saved, but who's going who's to deliver you? Who's going to set you free? I, I thank God that, you know how I got set free from, I had a, I had, I had a hundred thousand dollar worth of ceremonies in my body. I got set free with two, like two crazy things God did. God got like a crazy sense of humor. And when they put me in the baptism pool, I was like the last one to bash Jensen Pool because I was so embarrassed to come out. So I, there was 150 people, so I came out last. So I, they, they, so I came out last, so I thought people was going to leave. And when I came out, everybody gave me a standing ovation like, oh, my God, the devil's getting baptized. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like so embarrassed. <laughs> so they put, when they put me into, into the baptism pool, the hands of God came through the baptism pool and ripped every ceremony out of my body. Completely wow. off, Santeria, Peritim, all the sermon, all the sermon just came out of my body. And when I came out the water, I said, "Did you see those big hands?" And the guy said, "Yeah, psh. unbelief." And then they told me in, in Bible class, um, discipleship class, we don't do that anymore these days. Discipleship class, they told me to read Isaiah fifty-three. Yeah, and I read it for the first time. I couldn't finish reading it. I just wept, wept, wept. That was my deliverance. Isaiah 53 and some water. And <laughs> <laughs> <End> the <of> bath. <laughs> Pastor, you're going to say something? Well, I was just going to possibly speak into um, what Charlie had spoken out or asked about concerning um, the when the attack came and when the prayers occurred. And what happens, of course, is, is I think Steve spoke to it. God woke, woke him up at three in the morning. God has people that because they understand in the spirit, God has never left the earth without at least a remnant. Right. And so when and God knows that an individual who's demon possessed practicing witchcraft has now entered into a ceremony because God sees and knows everything and is now positioned to to 
astral project to come in to torment, to bring harm, to, to establish control over a region. God already knew that. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the entire earth, looking for those on whose behalf he might show himself strong. So the, the key is, are we sensitive enough and willing and obedient to awaken to the quickening call, whether it's at noon, whether it's at 4 a.m., whether it's at 7 p.m., are we as believers in our spirit, do we have the ears to hear? Blessed is he who has ears to hear. Because if God can move on you in, in a minute to turn and say, uh-uh, in the name of Jesus, I, you're not coming in here, it will turn something like that back in a minute. But again, God does not do it for us. He does it through us. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ on the earth. And so we have to use our authority. And so, so to answer that question, I believe that anytime he got turned back, it's because somebody was prompted, quickened, and sensitive enough to stand up and make their stand in the spirit. And all of a sudden, because the devil's not going to send uh, his emissary on an assignment that he thinks he's going to lose, right? He's trying to enter in where people are asleep. And when I mean asleep, not sleeping at night, from you know midnight to 5 a.m. or 3 a.m. or whatever it is, but asleep spiritually. I'm I'm lulled to sleep. I'm I'm dull. I don't hear. Watchmen, I'm full gatekeepers. Of exactly. And so 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 the the issue with the church right now, of course, as it exists and why it seems so powerless is because the church is full of compromise. They're full of mixed religions. The church um, is is uh, has been seduced by a Jezebel or a spirit of divination. And so that's, you know, that's the reality of what's been going on. And of course, so the necessity is thank God for one act of obedience, that an act of obedience because of a prompting of the Holy Ghost that goes, God, is this all there is? There's got to be more that I'm going to begin to reach out and whatever level of community comes out of this, I don't care. I just have to have more. And it begins an awakening. That's how revivals happen, people. It's a it's one small spark that begins to build. And so you never know what this will do, but you but you have to continue to press and don't back up. So amen. All right, that was Philip Thornton of Legacy Faith Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, wrapping up part one of the John Ramirez Roundtable podcast. Listen, this might seem like it's uh, all Chinese. It's all foreign to you, right? It's not. This is not just real, but it is raging. There are other people working on the other team that are trying to actually take everything away and usher in the Antichrist. We have to oppose them. At whatever cost it takes, whatever it needs to get done, we need to step up to bat and make it happen. So, God bless, God speed. If you have questions, go to the website, www.forth.watch, F-O-U-R-T-H dot W-A-T-C-H. You can visit Legacy Faith Church at LegacyFaithChurch.com. Also, with the YouTube channel, check out all their past sermons, John Ramirez, Google him. You will not be disappointed. Thanks to everyone who came. Thanks for everyone who participated. And there are more podcasts to come from this episode. Listen, you're not an accident. You didn't hear this on accident. We believe that God has a role for your life. We believe that Jesus died for your sins. We think that you need to engage daily, often, best your ability. That's it. God bless. Godspeed. Let's get at it. 